Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for The Lead. The Lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Okay, May, so uh, Teddy Bridgewater has a chance to set a new single-game high for completion percentage on Sunday because when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles defense, five times this season they have given up to a passer 80-plus percent passing percentage. I think Derek Carr was 90% mm-hmm. against them. And Bridgewater, I believe, is third in the league in completion percentage right now. Right. And they yes. will try and stop the run. Yes, they So will. they will likely put the ball in Teddy's hands and say, Teddy, you're going to have to beat us. Yeah, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater has completed at least 71% of his passes in five of nine starts this year. Only in the uh, Ravens game when he only made it a half has he failed to complete 63% of his passes. <laughs> with that, with that, CBS Sports did its quarterback rankings. They have Bridgewater, number 21. Now, at first glance, if you don't know what Bridgewater's doing this season, you'd say that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Let's look at his projected numbers. Completing 70% of his passes, over 3,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Quarterback rating, 101. That'd be not near the top of the quarterback rankings, but close to top 10, if not already in the top 10. Why is this guy getting such a lack of respect? He's getting a lack of respect because he doesn't have kind of the splash plays that people are looking for. I mean, he basically, look, steady Teddy, it's not just a rhyme, it's accurate. That's who he is. And there, it's not going to be dazzling, even though I would argue that the throw... And catch to uh, Tim Patrick was pretty dazzling mm-hmm. last Sunday. It was a perfect pass, tight coverage, and a great catch by Tim Patrick. Cre- tip your cap to the guys at both end of that uh, ends of that play. They they did it flawlessly. If we are being completely fair, when you look at the course of Teddy Bridgewater's career, I think you could slap the label journeyman on him he's been with a lot of different teams Mm -hmm. he's never truly had a spectacular full season in his career i don't think you could look at one particular season and say wow this guy has been great right he also doesn't look the part i'm not talking because he's black i'm saying because he's not tall he doesn't have a big arm he's not fast he's not like he, he doesn't you know extend plays he's mobile he can't extend plays but he doesn't do what lamar jackson does or jalen hurts does he doesn't have an arm like a justin herbert there's nothing about his game when you look at him and say wow i can hang my hat on this guy because of what he does really really well because all the strengths are cerebral and 
leadership qualities? Like if you're talking about like, like wh- where does, uh, if you were doing everything on a scale of one to 10, where are his eights and nines? I don't know if he had leadership, leadership and intelligence. Yeah. Now he can, he, he can learn a scheme quickly and incorporate and incorporate what he learns into his game quickly. He's got a, he's got a quick processor and I don't know that as far as pure leadership in a locker room, I don't know that there are more than three quarterbacks in the league that are better than Teddy Bridgewater right now. That's he, that's the thing. His his strengths are the intangible and also short to medium range accuracy. That's a strength that he's one of the, of the best in the league at. But that doesn't get you highlight plays. What that does is basically Teddy Bridgewater is he's the singles hitter. Yes. Of quarterbacks. Yes. But then you look up at the end of the season and he's hit 330 and his on-base percentage is pushing 400. He's a singles hitter who takes walks. Right. You know what? And are you going, you know, is that going to be spectacular? No. Is it a good thing to have in your lineup? Yeah. You're a plus player at that point. By the way, I mean, look at those QB rankings that you said from CBS. They have Trevor Lawrence ahead of Teddy Bridgewater. That's that's strictly potential. Right. I don't think we can deny that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a really good quarterback in this league. But he is not a good quarter. He is not a really good quarterback right now. There are flashes, yes. But if you're making the rankings today, I don't know how you can have Trevor Lawrence higher than Teddy Bridgewater. I certainly don't know how you can have Jimmy Garoppolo higher than Teddy Bridgewater, which is something in this ranking. And today, again today, Justin Fields wouldn't be higher than Teddy Bridgewater, but he is in that CBS ranking. Right. Because they're banking up, they're making on potential. Right. With that, are these numbers good enough to bring him back? Or is his career here going to be based on based on wins and losses? Because if we're being completely mm-hmm. honest, if you want to look at a numbers guy, Kirk Cousins puts up great numbers. Team doesn't win. Team doesn't win. Team doesn't win, but he puts up great numbers. For whatever reason, even though the there are dazzling statistics, he does it, it, it. He doesn't get over the finish line. T- Teddy, if we're going, if we, I hate the QB win loss thing because teams have win loss record, not QBs. But I believe that Teddy, that with teams that have Teddy Bridgewater as a starter, they have a winning record over time. They do? Yes. Even with last year's. I'm talking about like over I'm talking about over the length of his career. Okay. And I'm actually looking at it right now. All right. Thirty nine and twenty nine teams that start Teddy Bridgewater. It's pretty good. It's not bad. That's gonna keep you in the league. Oh, no doubt. More and more and all and more and more. Especially again, not to say this is the direction they're going in, but we know that the Broncos will be taking an interest in the quarterback position in the draft. This if point. I would have told, if they draft a quarterback, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is the perfect bridge. If pardon I, the pun. If I would have told you before the season, Teddy Bridgewater is going to complete seventy percent of his passes, thirty-eight hundred yards, twenty-five touchdowns, nine interceptions, quarterback rating of one hundred one. Quickly, give me a quick answer. What's the Broncos' record off the top of your head? Ten and seven. Maybe even better than that. Yeah. You know what the problem has been? The defense. It wasn't a problem last week, but it was a problem in October. It sure was. And the interesting thing is this: like 
the Broncos on a points per game basis, they're about what they were last year, but on a points per possession basis because they have longer drives and they're taking more time with the football on a points per possession basis, they're averaging a half point more per game than they were this time last year. And that, but the problem is the defense, even you have shorter games, but the defense on a points per possession basis is average. Even with last week thrown in there, it has to do better. Now, we talked about the offensive line, how you got by for one game with a backup O-line. But teams are going to scheme to that. You got one game you played with without Von, without Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed as edge rushers. And you played that game without Pat Sertan for a half. And Bryce Callahan, who, who, may or may, who may only come back if this team is in playoff contention next month. And they did very well against Dallas. But where will the Eagles try to pick at the Broncos and this much younger, less experienced defense this week? I don't think the results are going to be anywhere near as dominant as they were last week in Dallas because Nick Sirianni has had a chance to kind of dissect the film and they're going to attack some weak spots on the defense. We're going to get to some news and notes about the Broncos heading into this game, specifically the injury list. Here are guys who are listed as questionable. Sertan, Browning, Shelby Harris, Reisner, Albert O, Tim Patrick, Malik Reed, Caden Stearns. If the Broncos are going to win on Sunday, which one of these guys needs to play? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public on your next project, whether it's a deck or a fence or anything that needs lumber, don't go retail. Wholesale. That's the only way to go. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Plus, you've seen their lumber all over the city, specifically at Empower Field and Coors Field. Go to RMFP.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Let's get to a couple of news and notes from the Broncos today. Per our buddy Benjamin Albright, he says Pat Sertan is day-to-day, could play on Sunday. So with that... He is listed as questionable. I'll give you all the guys who are questionable. Sertan, Baron Browning, Shelby Harris, Dalton Reisner, Albert O, Tim Patrick, Malik Reed, Caden Stearns, and the bye week can't come fast enough. With that, give me just one guy that you really need to have on the field on Sunday. I'm not going to say I'll be surprised if we come up with the same guy, but I'll be impressed because I have a reason why, because he's not the best player on this list. Caden Stearns. Really? I would not have said Caden Stearns. First of all, with with Pat Sertan, 
I think the best course of action is to let him rest. You're asking him to play seven days after a knee sprain. And look, when you have a sprain, it means that there is some degree of a tear involved. So I think putting him out there seven days after the injury, when it's not a playoff game or a game where you're fighting for survival, and especially when you have a fortnight until your next game, I believe that would be unwise. All right. I wouldn't play Sertan either, but why Caden Stearns? You see, and you saw some of this last week as well, but they're using him situationally, but with Bryce Callahan out and you're having to move Kyle Fuller around, I feel like you're going to need more from Caden Stearns. You, you've got, you're also using him a little bit more in the box than you have been as you move him around as that extra, as that chess piece kind of uh, sixth, sixth person when you go dime alignment. He's become a weapon back there. You can use him in pass rush. You can drop him in coverage. He's handled everything thrown at him with a plum. Very useful. I, I, I can agree with you that you want Caden Stearns out there. But there's one guy on this list who isn't having a great season who you need to have on the field. And that's Dalton Reisner. You have two backup tackles. You have a backup right guard. You have Lloyd Cushenberry who started the season. Who's playing well. But you cannot have another offensive lineman out. You cannot have four new offensive linemen from opening day. Even though Natani Muti has started and he would play. That's fine. Now, I, who, but here is where... Who, we, who would you rather have? Muti or would you rather have Reisner? If you're saying you'd rather have Muti, then I guess my point is Muti. I mean, Muti's not played badly when he's been out there. But Dalton Reisner, you could argue, played his best game in two years last week. That's fine. He's got momentum. Who would you rather have out there? Would you rather have another backup? So you have four guys off the bench on the offensive line, or would you rather, if in a vacuum, I don't mind, if you're telling me Bowles is playing, and you're telling me that Glasgow is playing, and you're telling me that, um, uh, what should we call it, the right tackle, Massey's playing, uh, then, then I don't have a problem playing Muti. But it's the situation that concerns me. I mean, that being said, on the offensive line, the guy I'm most worried about is Cameron Fleming at right tackle. And I'd be more worried about him than Natani Muti going in. One thing that's, that, not, that's not my point. No, but the other thing also that that does, doesn't take away no. from, from having four reserves on the offensive line against Fletcher Cox. Yeah, four reserves though that have practiced a lot together. So even though it's rough having all those backups, you would at least have a group that had some chemistry. Give me number two on your list. Well, what were the? It was uh, what Sertan, Sertan, Browning, Harris. It's right in your show notes. Why don't you pull them up? I'm looking at, oh, at here, 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 mine. Here Fine. Mine. You need Tim Patrick. I agree. Because you know what? As much as I like Judy and Cortland Sutton <laughs> out there, and you're going to have Fant out there. We don't know if Albert O's going to You can turn that away now. Well, I, I always have my show notes in front of me. You know why? Because I'm prepared. That's why. Are you saying I'm not prepared? I didn't say that. That's kind of like that is. You made an implication. No, no, no. That's that's kind of like saying. Made implication. No, that's kind of like saying to your wife or girlfriend, saying you look great tonight, and she says to you, "What? I don't always look great. You just did one of those." (laughs) 
I think it was fair. You look like you lost weight. Oh, are you saying that I was fat? You just did that to me. You just you just did that to me. I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. <laughs> I agree with you on Tim Patrick. Yeah. I- Be, because they will stack the box, and you might as well have, honestly, your most reliable se- receiver on the field. Yeah. The only thing keeping Jerry Judy from having that title is that he's still working his way back from the high ankle sprain. Yeah. But the same thing, you can say the same thing about the synergy that Bridgewater and Patrick have as you can for the synergy between Bridgewater and Judy. And you saw it on that that pass, that third down pass where he dropped it past the defender and he throws it to a spot near the sideline. Tim Patrick, when that ball when that ball leaves Teddy Bridgewater's hand, Tim Patrick is over between the between the numbers and the hash marks. And he anticipates Patrick on that on that out getting to the sideline. You couldn't do it better, but that's the product of chemistry and timing. I don't know what it is about the Broncos history over the last 10 plus years in which they hire special teams coordinators that always seem to give the best sound bites at the press conferences. But we got another gem today. This one coming from Tom McMahon, who's absolutely under fire, the special teams coach. He was asked about the team's performance against the Cowboys, to which he said that was a BS game, to be honest with you. On our part, we didn't play well enough. That's on me. Sadly, you could take that particular quote and apply it to about three or four other games this season. And he has said those words like that's on me. I quote if I put it's every, on you, then every, maybe it's time to move on. From it's a hundred percent on me is how he closed I mean, the first quarter. I, I, of the press I love I love his honesty and I love his accountability. But, bit, but if you keep saying it's on you, eventually it's They're on you. Say, yeah, it it's is on, on you. you in the form of being sacked after the season. You know, Brock Osweiler said constant or not Brock Osweiler, Brock Olivo. Same year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Brocco Levo kept saying it's on Jano. me. If we only had 22 channels, we'd be all right. Yeah, he has said that a lot. But he also kept saying over and over, that's on me. And I remember after, after one of those press conferences, I think you were there. And I turned to you and said, yeah, you know what? At the end of the season, it's going to be on him. Has Fangio ever said it's on me after some of the defensive performances? That's a good question. Has Shermer ever said it's on me? I know... I know both of them have said they need to call better games at at various points. Have they ever said? I don't know if they've said. Have they ever said it's a BS game? We sucked. No, No. that's as honest as you're going to get. I admire. You want to keep the guy just for his honesty and his accountability. And here's the thing: I admire Tom McMahon falling on the sword. But that being said, you look at that opening kickoff. There are two missed tackles. Okay. The guys were in position coverage-wise. So why is it on tackle. the special teams coach? That's the thing. I admire his willingness to take responsibility for his unit, but that actually wasn't on him. That wasn't his fault. I, I wanna, it wasn't, it's an execution thing, not a tactical thing. I want to point something out now. I, I need to set it up this way. You got to be a pretty good football player to play in the NFL. All these guys are good. Is that fair to say? Look, even if you are the 90th man on the roster in training camp You're brought really in because of an injury, You're really good you are player. the among the very best of the best, and, you're, and you've accomplished something. But if we're being completely honest, the special teams coach 
gets the scraps. He gets the worst guys on the team. Now, you're still a great football player, don't get me wrong, but you are also playing a position that you probably never played really in college because you were the star of your football team Mm -hmm. and you either played offense or defense. You're essentially learning a new position, and for as much as it is a, a car crash when a running back runs into a defensive player or a defensive back tees off on a wide receiver midfield, uh, that car crash is nothing compared to the uh, head-on, full speed, two trains heading towards each other that is special teams. And oh, by the way, when you have injuries and guys have to move up, it ends up cutting into their snaps. Like, for example, you know, one of the better special teamers on the team for most of the year has been Nate Hairston, right? Right. Don't yeah. want him to get injured, right? So, so all of a sudden, you look at his at, at his special team snaps. He plays seventy percent of the special team snaps against the Jets, eighty four percent against Baltimore, ninety against Cleveland. Nate Harrison has to play a lot of corner last week, and all of a sudden, he's down to forty eight percent of the snaps because they need him in coverage as one of the top three. You are going to love this analogy, and then and then he's got to find somebody else to replace Nate Harrison. You're going to love this analogy because I just thought of it as you were talking because I wasn't listening to a word that you said. Of course you weren't. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So this is a great analogy to baseball. A special teams coach is a minor league baseball coach. You have no control over your roster and the guys who are playing for you because guys are getting called up, sent down. Nothing is ever consistent. And you are expected to have a great unit when these guys, generally speaking, don't play with each other very often and, quite frankly, probably didn't play special teams throughout their entire career because, again, in Pop Warner, they were the best kids on the team. High school, best kids on the team. They're not playing special teams. Same with college. So you're getting guys who haven't played a certain position. Some of, listen, at the end of the day, you have to be kind of fearless to play in the NFL. I get it. But it's a whole different speed and a whole different world on specialties. There's a reason why they call them Suicide Squad. Right. And, you know, the funny thing is, when you were going in that analogy, I thought... You weren't listening to what I said either? No, I I was, but I thought you were going to make a cooking analogy because I thought what you were going to tell me is that that Tom McMahon is... He doesn't get to pick the groceries. Right. The groceries are put on and, his and, table. And, yeah, no. He, get, he, gets the, he, he gets to pick some of the groceries, but then he goes into the cupboard. He's like, okay, I need some, right. I need some salt. I need a gunner. I need a gunner. I, I need some salt. Right. And then you find out, oh, wait, my salt is gone because the, because the defensive coordinator right. took the salt because he needed a third cornerback to play right. 70% of the downs. Right. And now I'm trying to make this meal without salt. Oh, let me go if I can get, see, get some red, some, some bell pepper. Oh, the bell peppers are gone. They were needed to play off. They were needed to, to, to play tight end. How, there you go. Right. How good is a AAA coach or manager in, in the minors going to be when he thinks he has a really good starting rotation going into the season, and then the parent club has a bunch of injuries, yep. and he loses three-fifths of that rotation, and suddenly, let's say you play 100 games in the minors, and you thought your record would be 70 and 30, and suddenly it's 30 and 70, and you've lost your job. 
That's what it's like probably for a special teams coach. You never know who you're going to have week to week. So then when you throw in COVID and injuries and guys being questionable, you're pulling guys off the practice squad to suddenly play special teams. Every week, it's somebody new. Yeah. who is playing with your unit. Yeah, I have it, empathy it, it, for Tom Tom McMahon. I have a lot of empathy for him and you know what it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're a bad a bad manager just because you know you you're you're you know you're losing because you have all this, you know, you have you have all these uh the, these ingredients being taken away. Look, we just saw a career minor league manager that won the World Series, Brian Snicker, right? Yep. Can we agree he's a very good manager based on what we've seen sure. at the major league level? Sure. You know what? His AAA winning percentage was 462. There you go. Didn't mean he wasn't a good manager, as right. we've come to learn. Right. No, I agree with you. Yeah. All right, coming up after the break, how does the season look if the Broncos win on Sunday? And goodness gravy, what does it look like if they lose? We'll talk about that next. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason Presented by Silter Har Mazda A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda Find them at sthmazda.com Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk Here's Eric and Andrew in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Nice choice, dude. Nice choice. I've always been a big Will Smith fan. Can you uh, do the Carlton dance? Um, not, not right now. Yeah, you can. We got plenty. Let's see it. Wait, uh, Nolan, put the uh, put the camera on, on Danny. There. That's, that's pretty good for a white guy. Yeah, not bad. Let me see yours. How's the medication working out for you? Pretty good. You look like you Danny, are. Danny, are we coming back from the for the next break with Philadelphia Freedom? I'm unfamiliar with that song. Elton John. But I can probably Freedom. get it ready if you'd like. Oh, that's... Nolan, can you do the uh, <laughs> Alfonso Ribeiro dance? You can't? Just tr- Just try it out. Come on. No, let me see. Come on. Do it. You have to do it too then. No, I literally have no idea what I would be doing. Uh, Danny, show. For those I already did Mile it. Let's, m- let's move on, Eric. Unless you're going to do it. No, absolutely not. I'm not going to make an ass out of myself like the two you guys just did. What? Well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, prou- I'm proud of my Carlton. Are you? Yes. That, that's more Elaine Bennis than Carlson. Carlton. No, Elaine Bennis is the kicks. You gotta- now, that's a good one. I bet you could do that without even trying. <laughs> now, that's good. Time now for What's Trending. <laughs> What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. How does the Broncos' season look if they win, and how does it look if they lose? If they win, everything's in front of them. They, they, will, they will face the Chargers on November the 28th. Literally with a chance to move into first place in the AFC West. Yep. In their hands. Yep. And a wild card possibility playoff spot at minimum is a very real possibility. If they lose. Ugh. Well, think about this. If for they lose, everything they gained last Sunday is gone. I, I think here in Denver, 
I think people look at the AFC West standings and say, wow, everybody's over 500. But you know what they're not looking at here in Denver? The AFC North, where every team is over 500, and the Broncos have lost to three of those four teams with the Bengals still on the schedule. Tie break, tie break. Break. Now one of them is going to win the division, so unless the Broncos win the division, it's not going. That's not going to have the same relevance. But it's potential head-to-head. There's another thing, because the entire AFC West plays the entire AFC North. Right. What comes after division record? Conference. No, common opponents. Mm. And AFC North game games are common opponents for everybody in the AFC West. Right. So those are, by definition, beyond your AFC West games, those are your most important games, and the Broncos have dropped three of them with Cincinnati still in, in, the, in the offing. There's a very real shot that the entire AFC West all finishes above 500, yep. and yet maybe only one of them makes the playoffs. Because, by the way, New England's sitting there at 5-4 five and, and four now, too. With a rookie quarterback. Yeah, who's figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Again, I've, I've said this in the past. Didn't Bill Belichick win, not with a rookie quarterback, but with a first-year starter in Tom Brady? He won an awful lot. I'm not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady. Well, Tom, but I am saying that they Tom were, Brady had been there for a couple of years. No, that was his second season. He was in his first year as a starter. And when he came in in 2011, he was 20, he was or 2001, he was 2000 draft. Right. And, Mac Jones obviously he sat he sat for about, he sat for about what a season and a half before he, he played a season and he came in in the second game of was it the one. second game of, was it the second game yes was it that soon yeah but you know what at least he sat on the bench and watched a pro like Drew Bledsoe not late a Hall in of the Fame second game at least he had a year <clears throat> right at least he had a year but what I was going to say was well everybody's and I understand that Justin Fields played great against Pittsburgh I get it. But everybody's looking at the shiny object that is Justin Fields. And maybe everybody missed and everybody mocked Mac Jones. Came from Alabama. Look at all the talent around him. Hmm. Well, look at the team that picked him, though. It was, and when, if Mac Jones had gone anywhere else on draft night, I'm not sure I would have, I would have gotten that feeling in, in, in the pit of my throat. But when the Patriots picked him, where Bill Belichick, one of his best friends in coaching, is Nick Saban. So they have intel on Alabama guys that nobody else in the league does. Right. When the Patriots picked Mac Jones, I think a lot of us who are around football just kind of said, uh-oh. Right. That they they wouldn't pick him and let... Look, look. They wouldn't pick him unless they knew something. Right. Bill Belichick isn't picking Mac Jones to do Nick Nick Saban a favor. Right. He's picking him because the information that he has right. says that he believes he's going to be a long-term starter and well, a good long-term starter. The information that Bill Belichick got from Nick Saban had nothing to do with what we saw on tape. It's what Mac Jones has from the head up. That's how that, does he process the game? How does he What's learn his the football offense? IQ? Yeah. Right. How does he lead? 
and I'm sure Nick Saban would be willing to talk to anybody, but I'm guessing a lot of NFL coaches or executives look at Nick Saban and say, well, he's a college guy. Well, one other person kind of had that read on Mac Jones, though. It's Kyle Shanahan. He did. He did. That's the guy I believe he wanted. But the organization wanted Trey Lance. We'll see what happens with Trey Lance. And right now, the 49ers are sitting at 3-5, and five, and I haven't heard anything about Kyle Shanahan's job security. Nothing. You're not hearing about the job security. You are hearing frustration, though, with, with, the, with the direction of the team. Yeah. If Kyle, actually, if Kyle Shanahan wants to just kind of nip everything in the bud, you know what he should do? Put Trey Lance out there right now. Is he healthy enough to go out there? That's the question. Like, but with the, the moment he hands the baton to Trey Lance... That buys him at least a year. Yeah. If not more. What do we have coming up on Masterpiece Roofing, just in case you missed it? A huge win for the Avalanche last night, and also you guys teased it earlier, but John Gruden, he's been pretty quiet since resigning from I the have Raiders. I have not been quiet at all. I'm talking right here on the show. Well, he's been quiet uh, in regards to that situation. Maybe he's been saying some other things. Now he is speaking up and speaking out against the NFL lawsuit. John Gruden versus the NFL. That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Could play Crocodile Rock. But we gotta get to the chorus here. I know what the song is. It's Philadelphia Phillies, right? Philadelphia Phillies. You know why this song came to be? Share with the class. Okay. Because it's a, it's a sports story. We do a sports talk show. Well, that's a very nice segue into you. Yeah. Well, anyway, you've heard of World Team Tennis, right? Oh, you know what? It's about Billie Jean King. That's right. right. And her she, team. She wrote this for her. That's right. Right. Her team was called Philadelphia the F- Freedom. Philadelphia Freedoms. That's right. And so, but Elton, of course, he he does the music. Bernie Taupin did most of his lyrics over the years. Right. And so <laughs> he gets, he get, he get he's talking with Billie Jean King about team tennis and Elton says, oh, I'll do a song for you. And then, um. Elton writes a note to Bernie Top and says, uh, Bernie, can you write a lyrics to a song called Philadelphia Freedom? Thanks, E. So basically, it's, I mean, he didn't give him a lot to go on right. to write the lyrics, but he ended up writing a, a rock classic. Have you seen the uh, Billie Jean King movie, the one about her against Bobby Riggs? Yes. It's fantastic. It is. So stinking good. All right, time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. 
Just In Case You Missed It is presented by Masterpiece Roofing. Find out how Masterpiece can get your insurance company to pay for your roof. Call 720-242-6404 or go to masterpieceroofing.com today. Just in case you missed it, big win for the Colorado Avalanche last night over the Vancouver Canucks. Miko Rantanen with the hat trick and a 7-1 victory. So I guess that rest did pay off for the Avalanche. Do they get some more momentum tomorrow night with the San Jose Sharks in town? I'll say one thing about this. We talked about it on the show yesterday. Something Doug Moe famously said. When you lose your best player... The team that's playing that team, watch out, because they tend to play a great game following that. Broncos lose Von Miller. The Broncos smoke the Cowboys. Nuggets lose Jokic. Nuggets beat the Pacers. Avalanche lose Nathan McKinnon, and they wipe the ice with the other team last night. Exactly. And now one thing kind of— What happens in game two? I have no idea. Yeah. And now— the, the Sharks got off to a great start. They've, they've hit the skids. They've lost three of their, their last four. But the Sharks are back to full strength tomorrow night. Health-wise, they're expected to be something that you can't say for the Avalanche. So I don't expect a game anything like the one we, we saw last night. And like you said, first time out. Without McKinnon, everything worked well. You rally. Ex- expect the Sharks to adapt to what the Avs looked like. Expect and, ex- and again, Sharks back to full health tomorrow night. That's not going to help. And the they Avs. will not be playing Baby Shark. Do, 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 do. Baby well done. Shark, do, do, you know what? We just made eye contact and we made that work. That was fantastic. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, John Gruden suing the NFL and Roger Goodell, alleging they selectively leaked his private emails to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times to force him out of his job and harm his reputation. Gruden's attorney said no explanation or justification was provided by the league on why the former Raiders head coach was the only one to have correspondence made public of 650,000 emails collected in connection to the Washington football team investigation. The NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy called the allegations entirely meritless, said the league will vigorously defend against these claims. How do you see this lawsuit playing out, and will it impact the Washington football team investigation? I'll I'll say this real Mm -hmm. quick, and then I want you to go. From what we currently know, and call it circumstantial evidence, I have no idea how the NFL is going to defend itself. Well, if you're John Gruden, because of you know the leak of the emails, and you're saying it's selective, are you not trying to bring into evidence all of the emails? No. That's we, your first thing. No. To, to me, the first thing is nothing else got out out of 650,000 emails. How come mine are the only ones that got out. Yeah. Now, if other things got out, Gruden doesn't have a case. And that's what I said. By what we know now, mm-hmm. nothing has gotten out about anything. Of 650,000 emails, except with Gruden. I don't understand why the NFL is coming after me. Enough with the damn emails. Hey, can you say Soviet-style character that's what assassination he said. That, that's in, what in the said. John Gruden voice? Because that's what he alleges. It feels like a Soviet-style kind of coup against me. Vladimir Putin is coming after me. And I don't understand that. I understand he's KGB, wrestles a bear, and he walks around without his shirt on. 
but I could do the same thing. I just don't understand why I got fired and Putin's still in office. He's also the president of Russia. The Soviet Union has existed in nearly president. 30 years. President. Like, dictator. There you go. Yeah. He also, the Soviet Union hasn't existed in 30 years. Like, you should have, like, dropped a Brezhnev or a Khrushchev in there, you know? Right. Got anything else? Oh, uh, yeah. We'll do another quick one. Mace, this is something that we kind of talked about off air mm-hmm. uh, the other day. But tonight, there's a number two UCLA versus number four Villanova men's basketball game. It's the first top five matchup of the season. And. Is this college basketball kind of doing itself a disservice with these great games early in the season when there's not much focus on NCAA hoops yet? Absolutely. I mean, this honestly, this is one that it kind of caught you off guard. And oh, oh, by the way, I mean, have you seen like the start time for this? Is gonna, yeah, it's late because it's out in California. It's, yeah, but not only it's gonna start. At 9.30 our time, 8.30 Pacific, because... 11.30 Eastern. And it's it's not only, it's not even on ESPN, it's on ESPN 2. Because, of course, it's Friday night. ESPN has an NBA doubleheader on Friday nights. Right. So, and then it has to take place after U.S. Mexico in soccer. That's why it's going so late. And then, now, and this is a, this is probably going to be one of the five best intersectional matchups in college basketball this year. It's it, it's in what the English would call the daft o'clock time slot. I want to take something <laughs> you just said, Danny, and flip it around a little bit. If this was college football and you have Alabama against Sisters of the Poor, right, and people aren't going to necessarily watch that game if that is college basketball. Right. You have to have heavy-hitting heavy games early at the very least, to try and generate interest, mm-hmm. because if you have, I don't know, Duke against you know directional state university, people aren't going to watch that. But Duke but, people but watch Duke Kentucky Michigan, this week. Duke Kentucky, Duke Michigan State, right. Kansas, whoever else, people will watch those games. So you have to give them a reason to watch <laughs> when you are in the middle of the college football season, NFL season in the middle of the hockey season and the NBA season. Which is why at least you could get college football relatively out of the equation, why it would behoove college basketball to push back its season probably six weeks to right around start it right around Christmas. Well, but then there's a problem. And I'll tell you what the problem... Oh, we have a show at six? Okay, I guess I better go. That was the Master problem Beast is you can't do March Madness, right? No. As uh, a name. No, no, because colleges graduate in the, the first week of May. Doesn't stop baseball season. Okay, that's true. All right, that was a Masterpiece Roofing. Just in case you missed it, voted Denver's best roofing company. Go check them out. Go to MasterpieceRoofing.com. We got to go, so I'm not going to thank any of you because all of you screwed up today. Make the best possible weekend you can. Feeling good. Hey, feeling good. Like I should.